Welcome to the IP2 Podcast. I'm Shay Ashby, and as always, I'm joined by Felix Chung. Our guest today is Stephen Jennings. He is the co-founder of Red Riot Games, one of the first LGSs to support flesh and blood in Canada, and a mainstay in the Canadian flesh and blood community. Most recently, he and Red Riot Games were selected to be the TO for the Canadian National Championship event. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, thank you. Steve, can you tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you got to the point where you are today? Sure. Um, so um, I've always kind of been a, a highly competitive uh, gamer uh, as a kid. I think my first ever uh, video game tournament uh, I ever entered in or any kind of tournament of any sort uh, was the, you guys might remember this, it's um, they had a video game championships, I think it was, for Blockbusters, which was for Donkey Kong Country. And I entered that. I think I was in grade two, or I'm pretty sure I was in grade two. I was supposed to have been like 1992, like super long time ago. And uh, yeah. I did, I did okay. I can't really remember where I ended up. I didn't win. Uh, and then uh, shortly after that, there was when Sega Channel was going to all the malls all over across Canada, and I, I didn't know it, but I had walked into the mall and there was a Sega Channel tournament. And every round there was a different like game they were playing that was available on Sega Channel. Uh, and I was in that event, and I got, like, the second place, but first place got, like, the Sega Channel thing for their house, uh, one month free of it. And uh, I didn't win, because the last game was a sports game, and I loathe those. Um, but, um, you know, after that, like, uh, just kind of all over the place with uh, wanting to get a bunch of my friends together and play games. And But it wasn't until maybe I was about, say, about 15, 16 years old. I was able to start playing uh, fighting games on the internet. And after that, I started looking at trying to get people to meet up together to play a fighting game called uh, X-Men vs. Street Fighter. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I started getting a bunch of kids in my mom's basement to, together to play fighting games. My mom used to think it was a party. She'd get really upset and kick everybody out. <laughs> and then uh, still to this day, my mom is not a fan of like a bunch of gamers in her house. But uh, we uh, I grew it from there to uh, something I called uh, Edmonton. Edmonton Gamers. So it was called Edmonton Fighting Game Community and then it became Edmonton Gamers. And then uh, we hosted most of the fighting game tournaments in Edmonton from around 2000, I'll say 2006, 2005, 2006, whatever, after the Perry moment, pretty much. I'm hooked up with a, another Third Strike player uh, and we hosted fighting game tournaments for the next 10, 15 years. Uh, 10 sorry to 15 years um the largest of uh, the, the largest series we made out of that was called the bird of beatdown we started getting enough finances from it to fly down people so, so we flew down like uh we had to flown down justin wong for an event we flown down music king for an event we flown down like a bunch of different video gamers from all over the place uh and uh it was really exciting for me to like to have all these people showing up and and making trailers for like this best player versus this best player. This guy from Western Canada is going to fight this guy from Eastern Canada. It's all going to happen. Never to beat the, you know, you kind of get like the whole wrestling vibe from it. Or yep. they kind of, I, I try to make the trailers like themed around like, um, I guess, um, like the tournament, you know, the Terminator 3, how they had the, the crazy intro. And it's like, it started getting exciting and more exciting and more exciting. And people are like, I don't even know what's happening anymore. <laughs> yeah. but I just yeah. want to see this go down. So, uh, you know, it was like, you know, I kind of stepped into the role as tournament organizer from wanting to just basically get people together to play games that I liked, but I needed to play games that other people liked so I can belay them into mine. 
so I would, uh, yeah, host a bunch of different fighting game tournaments. And then we started doing League of Legends, some League of Legends events, some StarCraft events, um, some bunch of Halo events, different different genres. But it was always like kind of fighting games. And it was always with the idea of wanting to, to do more and bigger and see how far I could push it and try to exceed expectations. You know, a little bumps along the way. I think the largest event we had was about 340 people, uh, which is a lot bigger than Mom's Basement. Uh, it was probably the most, the fun I've had with anything, you know, mostly because it was like, you know, just, it's doing something I loved uh, that was fun. Yeah. It didn't make a lot of money, almost no money, but um, but I enjoyed it. Uh, and then um, there was a card game. So what got me into card games was there was a, there was one called uh, Universal Fighting System or UFS. It had Mega Man and Street Fighter and Tekken and Soul Calibur. And just like everything, I was like, how is this even possible to be a game? <laughs> is this real? And I got really super into it. And uh, then we started attracting players from like other cities and they were talking about winning tournaments and flying all over it. I'm like, what? For card games? Like, I couldn't like grasp it. Yeah, so that is, that's the background, sorry, for yeah, nice. or what like my competitive background is. Mostly fighting games with some card games. It's so interesting because you mentioned, yeah, that you did fighting games for over 10 years, uh, organizing these tournaments. Yeah. It seems like a lot of people in flesh and blood today have some sort of connection to fighting games. I mean, is that something that you've noticed as well? Um, a little bit. Uh, I know I, there's a local player. Um, his name is Mike C. Uh, he's a Kano player. Uh, he's uh, he told me he played fighting games, and when I when I met up with uh, when he came up to the store, I was like, "Hey, let's go, let's start playing." I, I think it's been a while since he played. <laughs> <laughs> but and then, so you know, it's kind of a thing where we have like customers that come in once well as like they play card games, like, "Oh, I think I can beat you in this fighting game." Like, nah, man, this is like boxing. You can't, you don't play fighting. You don't play at fighting, fighting, fighting games. You actually either play it or you don't. And then <laughs> yeah. uh, I haven't lost any of them yet. I'll say that. <laughs> so it's, it is fun. Um, I, I do notice that, uh, at least as far as UFS was concerned, there was a ton of people that played fighting games because Street Fighter is the first set. So it makes sense. Yeah. And I think, I, think the, I think the idea of uh, with fighting games, especially like Street Fighter, Marvel, Capcom, it's like high-speed chess, right? Uh, and card games, uh, the chess is slowed down, right? Uh, and depending on the card game you play, you can, there can be like a really crazy board state that you kind of get to brew up to get, do in your mind before you, like, you know. Hope that answers that question. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so kind of moving along here, you started with something small in your mom's basement and that grew into a huge tournament. Like 300 and some people is nothing to scoff at, especially from starting from a passion mm -hmm. and then moving into, you know, opening your own store. Have you considered yourself always to be an entrepreneur? Or is this something that's just sort of, I guess, driven out of passion? So uh, growing up with my, my mom, uh, she has like five kids and we weren't like, well off to say the least right so five kids no pops in the house so a lot of times we wanted to get something like, like a new video game system if my grandpa wasn't going to get it for like christmas we had to work for it right so i would shovel sidewalks i would rake leaves i keep i try to with my kid hands clean people's drain uh, drains out like that where like um 
whatever. And I try to like help clean up stuff off of the roof. I'd mow lawns. Um, sometimes help out old folks with like, they have a bunch of like broken like pieces of their tree that fell, fell down throughout the year. And he went to pick it up and put it away. My uncle owned a stump removal company. So he tried to, I try to like help him. There's not a lot I can do, but he'd always have me with them. Um, yeah. So like pretty much since probably I was about 12 years old, able to like get a job and functionally work. Not like a job job, but you know what I mean? Like yeah, have some kind of out. income in some kind of a way um, to get the things I like, like buying Dragon Ball Z toys and you had to get it myself, you know, want yeah. to. So that I've always had a mind to like, if I want something, I'm going to have to work for it, period. No one's going to give it to me. I have to go and get it myself. No, that's a, a, that's a pretty good story. Um, I'd like to talk about, you know, the origin story of Red Riot Games. What made you finally decide to jump in and, you know, open your own store? So it's kind of funny because this, the name of the store and the idea of having a store is actually Matt's idea. So he is a huge fan of redheads. <laughs> I like to bug him like he's a fan. He's a fan of fake redheads because he named the store after Kirishima. Because his name is Red Riot, right? But Kirishima dyes his hair red, so I joke with him. But uh, and all his favorite characters in every game always have red hair or their viscera, um, which I like. Send him a card with viscera and red hair ones. <laughs> but yeah. um, he he loves uh, he loved uh, uh, My Hero Academia. He really loved Kirishima, so that he and he really wanted to like make you a best a thing. And like the very moment I moved over to Mississauga here from Edmonton, I started trying to build a UFS community. Because they're just like, yo, I gotta make people play this game. They don't understand how amazing this game is. Uh, and he was one of them. Uh, at the time, he, um, when COVID hit, I was like, yeah, well, I guess the show's over. And I had to move back to Edmonton because, like, um, the job place I was working at, it wasn't. It was kind of a toxic work environment uh, for myself and my fiance. So I, I left that work environment. Um, but I didn't expect COVID to happen. Like, it wasn't even a thing at the time, and it just appeared. Uh, and again, I didn't really foresee staying on like COVID money uh, indefinitely as an intelligent thing for myself to do and that I would have to like find work probably back in Edmonton instead of staying here indefinitely. Yeah. So what happened was um, I told Matt like, hey, you know, I'm probably gonna move away. Um, how about we do this though? Uh, I know you help with your website, getting things up. Let me work for you for a week. And if you don't like the way I work, I'm not gonna hold any hard feelings for it. Um, and I'll just, I'll go my way because I'll make enough money to move me and my kid back to Edmonton and like, you take care of yourself. And he's like, okay. Uh, so I just went nonstop, <laughs> like 16 hours every day. I'm like, I, 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 I gotta make this work. And we were yeah. only selling UFS at the time. So, um, and the more that kind of morphed over time to like, cause COVID we couldn't do anything. Right. Um, and the, the more like, you know, he got to see like the kind of value that I was bringing to him. Uh, and I just kind of, and then we, we weren't even thinking about like doing any other games, but we also thought like, Hey, maybe we can build up on the community that we have, but it will be online for UFS. And then we started doing Pokemon. Uh, and then, um, unfortunately, uh, one of the people that was working with Matt, um, we found out that, you know, maybe he's a little bit dishonest on, uh, inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, uh, we, we figured that out, I, we were able to figure that out because I was inventory, literally every single scrap of card that he had. I was like, oh, look, these numbers don't make any sense. I was like, oh, wow. So um, then it just became me and him working. And I told him, hey, you know what? Since, like, I'm literally spending more time on the business than you are, what if we do like this? Because he has a, a regular job where he works for Canadian Pacific uh, Railroad, right? right. And that's, uh, he's, he's, at the time, he was two weeks on, one week off. So he didn't have enough money to spend 
on his actual his business to grow it because he had to work. Yeah. So I just took it on full time. We moved all those everything into my basement, which is rough. <laughs> and uh, there's cards everywhere. It's crazy. Uh, anyone who would have been on a webcam game with me and like saw me put the webcam up would just see mountains of cardboard everywhere. It's insane. Uh, and um, like I said, like why don't we do? Why don't I work with uh, like sweat, my sweat equity into the company? So I'll work for the first five hours, and then any other hours after that, which we can log for the site, we'll use that as my buying for the company. Yeah. Um, and and I was like, I'll work minimum wage even, right? Until this is we're done with this. So long as I don't have to worry about paying for my kids or paying for like, like feeding my son or paying my rent or anything like that. Like as long as that's taken care of, uh, you know, rent everything, we're good. And I'll work at this. And he's like, sure. Uh, and um, that's we kind of grew from there, right? Like. Yep. You know, that never became a problem. Uh, a few months after opening the store officially, uh, we signed our paperwork and we're like, wow, I own a business. It only took two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Red Riot Games started out as a website. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you became a brick and mortar store. Yep. Was there a catalyst? Was it uh, something that you guys always wanted to do? Yeah. Um, how did that end up happening? So a couple things. Um, so if we backtrack a bit, um, Pokemon wasn't doing so great, and UFS was lucky if we got $1,000 in sales a month. So we were actually looking like, hey, this might be not going to be a thing. Uh, and uh, Prince Distribution uh, almost literally forced us to take one case of, of the Welcome to Wraith. They are like, fine. And mm-hmm. that was what Matt likes to do is Google everything. And he's like, wow, this card's for like $6,000. And they're like, what? No one pays six thousand dollars for cards. Because UF has the most expensive card is like fifty bucks. So okay. no one's gonna do that. And um, anyways, we started, I guess, growing a community through through uh, the discords with Flesh and Blood, and um, we had a I would say a very polite uh, conversation mm-hmm. with a staff member. Let's say I'm not gonna say what company, just a staff member. They said, "Yo, you really need to have a brick and mortar store. COVID is ending." Mm-hmm. And Flesh and Blood is meant for, to be a game that's played in the Flesh and Blood. Like, oh, I see. Well, <laughs> so we had to find a store. Yeah. Uh, and we were frantically frantically looking everywhere around the Mississauga area. I was like, man, it's got to be close to me or I have to have a bike. Because it's like, I have to be able to get back and forth from the store. And I'm going to have to be in there most of the time. And uh, we actually ended up finding uh, a store. And, uh, and then shortly after that, we got a Rotor National. So you could say part of the catalyst was we weren't going to be able to continue to hold have flesh and blood anymore, and unless we had a brick and mortar store, we wouldn't be able to sell sealed or anything. So we, we kind of had to uh, go down that path. Yeah. So looking at your website right now, your store has diversified and broadened. Uh, you know, I see that there's supplies and there's flesh and blood and magic and Pokemon, and there's also some newer card games like. Lurkana, One Piece, Digimon, and mm-hmm. and others. So yeah. quite a diversified uh, portfolio, I guess you could say, of, of different games. Mm-hmm. I, I am always curious for different card stores, which are the games that really move the cash register and, and keep the store running? Is it, I mean, if you ask a lot of people, I bet they would say it's just magic magic is 80% of sales and everything else is a blip or Pokemon is the vast majority and everything else is minor. And I'm just wondering for your experience, you're, you've been in this business now for some time. What's the experience of Red Ride games in terms of which are the biggest card games for, for keeping you in business? 
So I'm going to answer that question in, in a different way. Because it's, it's almost cheap to say that it's just the big three and then whatever's hot else that month. But the reality is, is the game that the games that make the most money for the store are the ones that you've built the community for, right? So if you have built a community of, let's say it's Genesis, you built a really big local community for of Genesis players, um, then you're gonna have a whole lot of people, uh, and, you know, or, or like, sorry, you have people, a bunch of people that love Genesis. If you have 20 guys show up a week for Genesis, that's the game that keeps the store going. Or like, so, so for us, there's where we do Digimon and a lot of people show up for Digimon. Um, the smallest is six. The most has been like 22 people that show up for Digimon. Uh, and it's not once a month, only when a release comes out. Like they're there, they're playing, right? And they, they do all the pre-ordering is that community. Every now and then you get guys who pre-order from other places, but these guys are there every single week. They're there for all the pre-releases. They're there. They're, if you have two pre-releases on two different days, they show up in numbers for them. That's that's more what the, what, what the store's function and direction should be. What community do you want to build for your store? And um, does your local demographic support that? There are stores that I talk to that, that can't get six guys together to play Digimon. Uh, there are stores I talk to that have like 50 people that show up every week for Digimon. So um, same thing for One Piece. Like if a card game is new, Lorcana, every store can fill right now, sell out completely in Lorcana. You put Lorcana in your store, sell out. But it's new, right? So the games, the games you build communities for have the most fun, especially the ones that have a casual format that people like, which does tend to be Magic with Commander. Mm-hmm. Um, it will, maybe it will be for uh, for Flesh and Blood with the next set that's coming out. Or not next set, but the next, this thing that's coming out next week, uh, the week after, sorry. Yeah, look at my schedule. Um, also, like, I think that um, I think that uh, if if you if you go in saying like we're gonna be a magic store, and you don't got like a guy who wants a pack within like a three mile radius, you might find that you're you're now an online seller, right? And also the the, the people who buy cards online are very different. If your store is really well known for Flesh and Blood, you maybe you move way more Flesh and Blood singles uh, than any other game that you that that that, in, that you have in your store, uh, and mostly it's just in person. It's 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 Magic guys, right? Because you're not really known for having a lot of Magic or whatever. So it really depends. Okay, so just to build on what you've you've been saying, Flesh and Blood has always been a priority for Red Ride games. Um, from the very beginning, including you described the reason why you got that physical space was in part due to being able to continue to host, you know, your armories and and bigger events as well. Mm -hmm. So is Flesh and Blood still doing well for your store? And is that because you think of that community that you started with and have continued to prioritize? So for whatever reason, LSS really loved our store. So <laughs> if we <laughs> if we host an event and we send them pictures, they put it on that site, right? Um, they gifted us with a national event. Um, they we were one of the first stores to do play mats uh, for the game, right? And we're like, you know what? If we're gonna get in trouble, it's okay because we'll sell all the play mats before we get sued. <laughs> like we're like just we're literally these are two madmen in a basement. Um, but like 
um, the focus, the entire point of this, of, of having a store was because we really wanted to keep doing flesh and blood, and it has continued to be a game that supports us. So long as we have inventory and stock, it will sell. It, it, it we don't, we're, ne we're never suffering. We're never sitting there with like, let's say we spent ten thousand dollars that week on flesh and blood. We're not like, oh my god, what are we gonna do? We bought all this flesh and blood, and now it's gonna take forever to sell. It's like we got this flesh and blood, it will sell. It will be fine. Um, there's sometimes I, I, I look at the inventory and like, what the hell is going on with Arcane Rising? We have nothing. Not even like, um, what's that? Um, there's that one card that I swore, swore behind for, um, um, for, um, my Kasai deck. It was way back before she got in. You get one intellect when you, you get plus one intellect if it hits. Oh, uh, Pursuit, Pursuit of Knowledge. knowledge. I yeah. swore up and down that that was the Spicy. card that we played. Yeah, it never hits. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we don't even have that, right? So um, I think if you in, if you you have community for it, both online and offline, and you you really put your name on the map, you, your social media footprint is very good for for a game like that. Um, yeah, and even even uh, even in niche, there's there's money in niche. You know, if you if you're you're doing a game that you're really well known for, yeah, Flesh and Blood for us, uh, I don't think is a niche game, and if we can. You know, sometimes the weeklies aren't really huge, but there's a lot of people that come through and buy singles. Um, you know. Quick question. Uh, hmm? Sorry, what is your definition of huge? Like, what are you guys getting for weekly armories? So our armories will go between uh, 6 to 60, right? It depends okay. on a lot of stuff. So I remember when we were doing, uh, we were drafting for Uprising. Um, we were one of the few stores that just, that had draft boxes for whatever reason, or draft, mm -hmm. had boxes of Uprising. Because uh, we just over we uh, over leveraged ourselves for uprising, knowing that the all the tournaments were had a portion of of it, like a world was gonna have you have to draft. Yep. So yep. if you wanted to draft practice, you had to go to a store that's doing draft or buy a box buy a box of draft with you and your friends. So uh, we had um, Tarek Patel and Matthew Dilks, <laughs> like uh, that squad were were coming around along with um, our locals. And uh, on Thursdays for draft, which is not even our regular day for for, for uh, uh, flesh and blood, we just decided to start hosting a, a separate draft. And mm -hmm. they, you know, Mike C and all the other good players we have, we're just showing up to do the draft with the better players. Yeah. Um. So that that was turning in quite big because we're getting as big as having two uh, two two pods. Um. It's quite 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 a lot of people just for a draft. Uh, I eventually stopped entering them because I was getting real sick and tired of drafting that set. <laughs> but <laughs> it was like nine months of draft. But, yeah, um, a lot of people did. Leading up to Worlds, uh, we had a ton of people trying to draft it. Now we have people asking to draft Monarch, right? Yeah. Um, but a, a regular is like CS6 to 12. The, the, the group of six is literally a fine group. Um, now we have a, a group that's wanting to come out on um, Wednesdays. Not this week, but I guess next week. And they just want to play Blitz. And they're a university group. Uh, eight to ten people that want to play blitz with just each other they want it to be armory events explain to them that we have a day for armory they don't want to play with the rest of the community so we're going to breadcrumb them in yeah. uh, and they're um you know and, and we have we get that often we're like there's a group of friends that just want to play with just each other in the store and you know one of the guys will get a sniff of it and they'll show up trying to play with them and like hey guys there's a bigger group check it out so um uh we kind of sidetrack here but the, the the flesh and blood is 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 is, is a good great game for our store um when we do our bigger events we get really good numbers on them we've gotten as big as 60 people 60 people in the store yeah. which for our store is quite a bit a few people we can only fit 672 people in here um and 
as a as a, a game that in terms of uh, liquidity flesh and blood has never failed us that's an interesting um situation that i've never heard anybody talk about a small group of people coming in wanting to play a game but not wanting to be a part of the community at large that's the first time i've ever heard of that is that something that you've so i guess you mentioned that you've seen that multiple times is that specifically mm-hmm. for flesh and blood or have you seen it in other card games oh yeah definitely with other ones there's a group of there's so we have we have a weird situation in our store where we have three different commander groups that come in here so we have ones that come on wednesday it's our free-to-play day and they only come for the free-to-play day they do not come any other day of the week and there's like eight of them Right, and they just want to play with each other, and they sometimes, very suddenly, they'll go into another pot, but they're just playing with each other, and then um, they're around like twenty ish years old, and then we have this bigger group that comes on Friday, uh, and a lot of uh, some of them, um, they play like a tabletop game. We don't advertise on our site at all because we don't sell any of it, but they play uh, Crisis Protocol, a Marvel Crisis Protocol. They're just playing with yeah. each other. Uh, they spend a lot of money because they have a lot of. I don't even know what's going on at that table, but it looks like looks looks crazy. It looks like something the child version of me be like, yo. But anyways, they're all playing that, and then they pull out their like three thousand, four thousand, five thousand dollar commander decks, and they just play with each other. And they're about fifty. They're all sorry, thirty eight to sixty years old, and they only play with each other. And then there's all the other commander people playing in the store at the time, and they don't really play with them. They just play with each other. Then we have Sunday, and that's the competitive commander players that come out. So like. They just—it's weird, but like, they all play different at different times. So I—it's—it's—it's I, it's a little um, surprising to say the least. Like this, there's like different personalities even in the groups. For Flesh and Blood, um, there is definitely some people who are very um, shy about the idea of playing with the competitive community because they're not very confident in their ability to win. So because yeah. they, they have such a hard time, um, they have such a hard time getting around the idea that of legendaries and like you can talk to them all day and all night that you you really don't need a fine Del Spring tunic to play. Like you can play without this card. Like, no, no, I just want to play with my friends. And when we get used to it, and sometimes you'll get those show up, but like sometimes like the players can be quite competitive. Uh, like the ones who come on the Saturday, so yeah. they, they they might come and play that and feel the presence of the meta and get scared scared off because of it or they might be just new to card games in general and aren't really sure how to how to insert themselves so what we what we'll do is we'll wheel the staff like try to play with them or just encourage them to come out or tell the guys about it and then they'll show up but not not to beat them down like they'll get beat down these noobs but like kind of just show up and like present the the more positive side of the community like hey i also play or or you want to you want some ideas on like ways to make your deck stronger or hey maybe this line of play would have been smarter you know and we we have our really budget versions of the deck so we try to use that against them so you're gonna get that you know like even the group that plays on saturday they were just a group of friends that never played they just bought boxes and went home and played so um and now um they, they 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 play on as many events as they can whenever they can yeah, the, the whole community dynamic that you've described, it actually reminds me a lot about board game meetups. Like sometimes there would be an open game day, but myself and a few friends would show up with the intention of sitting amongst other people, but playing amongst ourselves. Yeah. 
it's uh it that that's really what it reminds me of but um we have that too we actually have a group of friends that come here and play board games they oh sorry they also play commander with just each other they will not play with anybody else their decks are completely proxy (laughs) and they have a blast playing but they do not play commander with other people and they only play board games with each other. I often make, make I kind of poke fun. I'm like, what is that game? What are all these little houses here? You know, <laughs> I don't know what the games that they're playing. That they 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 have a series. They're playing um, what is that game? It's um, it's one of these uh, board games here that lasts forever. Oh, Gloomhaven. Yes, they've been playing Gloomhaven every week here. Oh, I don't know what's going on with that table, but it's definitely interesting. <laughs> yeah. So just to to pull things uh back a little bit so you've you've described your store is all in on flesh and blood pretty much you're very supportive of the game yeah. the game was again one factor in becoming a brick and mortar store at all and the way you've described it is that the the game can support an lgs and be a big part mm-hmm. of a store being successful uh which is great to hear um I think sometimes we hear from other stores in other regions and maybe there's uh there's an expectation that the store that something like flesh and blood will will run itself um a little bit more mm-hmm. and it it sounds like you you and your staff have have to put in some extra work mm-hmm. because flesh and blood is not going to be like pokemon where you know a re- a release is going to happen and there's going to be 100 you know, Pokemon fans all begging their parents or, you know, lining up for, for boxes. Um, I mean, is is that something that you have to put more work into, I guess, then? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It goes without saying that you do not get a community for free. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, you might get people that show up and buy Pokemon, but if they're not sitting there playing in your store, then you don't have a Pokemon community. And like, you have to, there is a store down the way from us called Kenzen Games, and those guys put in every bit of energy they have to having a Pokemon community. And they have one of the biggest Pokemon communities in Ontario. I don't know anyone else that's as big as they are. Even the bigger stores like that, that just have money and they so they, they have all the inventory. These guys really care about their Pokemon community, and it shows, and they have their turnouts to prove it, right? So the energy that you put into building a community, like think of it like this. If you sat there and you put in all this effort and all this energy to having a store and you're having a brick and mortar store and you studied that industry at all, why do you think that the grinding stops because you opened a store? That's when it actually truly begins. So if you want a community to exist, you have to create the community. Every time I heard someone say, well, I don't know one in my city plays. Well, okay. How many times have you reached out to players? Well, I did that before and no one came. Okay. When's the last time you did it? last year okay dude people the, the the next guy who wants to play the game was 15 last year now he's 16. maybe he wants to play the game maybe he has a different interest maybe that guy didn't come to the convention to play your demo and play play your demo that you're doing for the game so you have to go to more and you have to have multiple demo days and really put a lot of effort into it you're not going to just have a game and just have a community and put half the guys who play Lord Counter in our store are one piece players who started off as flesh and blood players and they're friends of the of I'm sorry, they're all friends of one guy named Nevin. And they're all those people come out to play because of this guy loved the store and how we treated him. 
right? right? So you have to put in effort to grow a community. You do not get a community for free. So which and in like anybody who has a business that wants it to grow has to understand that just because you bought flesh and blood and it sells well doesn't mean it's going to sell well for you if you put zero effort into it. No, th- thanks a lot for that. And you know, community is something that Shay and I are very passionate about from a player perspective. One thing, uh, you know, one thing that we hear sometimes again is maybe it's all well and good for a store to have an active community of players that shows up for something like Armories, but maybe that's not very profitable. Um, or maybe just having those players through the door doesn't justify the space that they take up. What would you say to to uh, someone that says that? And furthermore, like how how does a community translate into sustainability for a store like yours? Like how are those community members contributing back to to helping your store thrive? So first, if somebody said to me that like, um, yeah, we know we have eight guys to come in, but it's not really worth giving them table space. I think they're crazy because. <laughs> I will have eight guys in the store playing Flesh and Blood, and that says these are eight dedicated guys. They come every single week. They're part of the investment into your store. You get promos for free from LSS, free. So you need to pay for it. And you can offer people store credit or packs or whatever. So let's say it's store credit. Okay, eight guys, $60 store credit, $40, whatever you want to do store credit, whatever you're charging, I don't know. Right? And that money that they're spending now is locked into the store because they paid it to get into an event. Right, and they're they're they they buy drinks, they buy uh, chocolate bars, they buy sleeves. If you're doing a draft, sometimes well, I don't know why it's still a thing, but people don't bring sleeves for a draft. They're gonna buy sleeves from you, and when they want to pre-order, they're gonna pre-order with you because you're the guy that's support, supporting them for an event time and time and time again. If they want to, you know, if they oh, you know, I did need a couple cards for my deck. Well, I can get it from from such and such card store, but like. You know, I got to get it from my local store because, like, I, that's where I go and play, right? Like, if your attitude is like, no, 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 these guys won't support me. I don't know. I, I question that person's even, why did you get a card store? Like, you, you, you know, like, why, like, this is how the, this is the function of, of, of this industry is community. To me, community is more important than just straight sales because, They'll buy packs from you, which is many times more profitable than selling a booster box because, you know, break a pack down, that's 24 packs, five bucks a pack, like one is back. Let's come on now, right? Yeah. Uh, or or you, got, you open up the cards, you get singles, you get a whole bunch of guys buying singles, you get traction through your website, um, you, get, you get traction through the door. Like if you host larger events and you put up something, okay, so we used to do ch- event series that called Chase the Case. So we put a case up. And uh, everyone shows up for it. They want to get a case for you. One box goes to first, second, and third, fourth. People, hey, oh, let's go in there. We raffle off some some cold foils, or now we have a three D printing machine. So we're gonna we start we three D print like some statues for Flesh and Blood. Uh, it costs us eighty cents to make one, right? So like you show that love there, and people are gonna be like they're gonna think about your store and think about the positive. And maybe they play other card games, right? Maybe they play Magic and like, hey, I want to get into Magic. I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to uh, Red Riot. Because uh, they do flesh and blood, they also have some magic. Let's see what magic they got. They're gonna come to you first, right? So like the, people will pivot to other games 
and have other interests, right? We have a lot of people that come in. The first second you see when you, when you come in, the entire back wall of our stores is full of flesh and blood banners. Yep. Almost every single part of the store is full of flesh and blood banners. I'm running out of space here. Uh, and uh, it says, like, this is a game we like a lot. Do you see? There's very few magic stuff here, but it has mostly flesh and blood because that's a game that that at least I, me, Steve, likes, and so does Matt, right? So we're gonna we're gonna promote it, and you see that promotion. People ask questions like, "Hey, so how big is Flesh and Blood?" Like you, they ask those questions, and when they ask the questions, they're interested, right? So that's all part. It's all part of the the game, right? If you don't see a value in community, this is not the industry for you. I really love how much you're impressing upon this how important community is and the efforts that a store should go to to cultivate that community so for other stores or even players listening to this do you have a tip that either players can bring to a store or a store that can uh, try to put out there for their community that you know can maybe help cultivate a community or something that you guys are doing that is working for you that we can share and, and try Okay, first, I think you need to be knowledgeable about whatever the game is. You need to be knowledgeable about not just Flesh and Blood, but other card games so that you can explain this game to them with references to their game, right? Right. So when someone comes in to like, what kind of card game is Flesh and Blood? Is it is it like uh, is it like Pokemon? Like, okay, so you draw cards just like Pokemon, but that's where it changes. That's, that's it. So here's what happens in the game. <laughs> I was like, you ever played Diablo? Yes, I played Diablo. Okay, you know you have an equipment scre- screen on Diablo? Like, yeah. This game has equipment just like that. And the more the more rare equipment is, sometimes it's better. Same thing. And you have abilities and stuff like that that only a certain class can learn. Same thing. Like, oh, that's kind of cool. Oh, I like that. And then you you can you go through explaining the game to them in a way that it doesn't feel like you're you're like, you, you're so stupid, you don't realize this is the best card game ever. Like, no, but and, and you don't overburden them with information. You just sell them on the good, the good, um, the good attributes that the game has. You sell them on the tenets of the game and how how involved uh, LSS is in OP and making sure to onboard stores with the game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So going doing a demo day, obviously that helps. You can you can step that demo day up though. Don't just here's a demo deck, have fun. No, no. You can, I did this before and it was it's hilarious because these got these two players talk about it all the time. Getting two Ira decks. Like, all right, see you guys. You guys played the first game. Okay, so you guys have to play five separate games. Okay, just check it out. Five games. And I'm going to make the decks crazier each time. Oh, crazy. Okay. <laughs> the first first thing, I, I had Razor Reflex to each deck. Yeah. Two, two copies of two Red Razor Reflexes. All right. Okay, we're going to add Soul Beach Strike in there now. Okay, now we're going to take away this weapon, and we're going to put Kadachis in the deck. All right. And then you slowly make the decks a little bit crazier. And before I knew it, these two players were playing with like they didn't have no legendaries. Just I just call them paper knights because they're using all like iron wrought armor and they're like like now they're like oh does he have a razor reflex in his hand or hmm you know like you can see the you can see the gears turning in their head and they're having fun with it right and the, the, these two the two the two players one of them's Alba they were the they were the scorekeeper at the event. The other yeah. one is, um, <laughs> sorry, the elbows in the front. I'm watching them close the store. And the other one is um, Nevin, who like brings his friends to play every game that we host here. Um, those two players uh, went on to play the game indefinitely afterwards, right? Nevin comes in every once in a play, and they remember that for forever. So he made it a memorable thing, and the game was getting crazier and crazier. Both of them were buying boxes afterwards. They're trying to make their new. What other characters? What else do they play like? And, you know, you kind of oh, this is uh, Ira. Oh, this is Dorinthia. She's a warrior. 
she doesn't do it. She's like always chicken blocking you. Like, please, please, for the love of God, block this attack. So like, you make it the game exciting to play, and you see, oh, you're not, you're not. You're, the only thing you're upselling is the fun factor the game has. Yeah. If you make the game seem like it's not fun and it's like, okay, basically to play this game, you drop down seven hundred dollars into your deck and you just beat your <laughs> opponent to death. You're like, oh, cool, great. This is what I hate. Also, you sell people on the community. You have to sell people on the community by that's going to back the game because these are the guys you're going to play with, right? And every single staff member in this store knows how to play Flesh and Blood. It has a favorite character uh, and has a bad favorite character. <laughs> For me, it used to be Kasai. And actually, not bad, but she was bad before. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> you, you sell people on the fun of the game because if it's not fun, then yeah. why would they spend their Wednesday afternoon or their Saturday morning or whatever playing something that you don't have fun with, they don't have fun with, you know? Uh, you know, you can have a commoner event, and you can invite new players out to it. You can have, um, you can have, um, what's it called? You can have a, you can have an event like, okay, no legis, the anti-legi event, whatever. Yeah. Like, find a way to make it fun for new people to show up. So we like this example. We have these uh, university kids coming out. I say, hey, you know what? If you guys want to have it for free, and we'll just run the tournament for you, no problem. If you guys want to have prizing, we have tons of promos. Um, we can give you guys a pack on entry. Everyone pays five bucks. And we could award the winner there. And then, you know, once a month, we can make a little statue. And it's just your, your group, just you guys. No one else will go in there. Bring as many university students as you want. And when they left, I would shove a whole bunch of bulk into their hands, probably about, uh, I don't know, 10,000 cards. So two 5K boxes is just random bulk we haven't sorted for a bunch of sets of flesh and blood. Go home and make some crazy decks, guys. Right? Um, you know, one, we lose. We don't need to have so much bulk in the store. Clean up a thing for a bit. <laughs> yeah. And two, now they're going to go home. They're going to make all kinds of crazy decks, and it's going to be fun. They make it fun. You have to make the game fun. If it's not fun, I guess that's the, the thing. It's fun. Post on uh, your Facebooks, your Discords, your Instagrams. Like, Get out there. And if you get if you get two people to show up, don't be like, oh, man, only two people showed up. Like, okay, great, two people here. We're going to make this the craziest ever. <laughs> like, That's what you should be posting at. Like, you got to think optimist. If I don't think it's fun to play and like, oh, only two people showed up, why the hell would I ever show up again? However, if you if two people show up and you make it the most nuttiest thing ever, those guys might come back and they're like, yeah. maybe, they're, maybe the guy's like, you know what? I think I think my friend might really like this. Like, you know, like that, that that's where your mind should be. That was an amazing answer. Um, I have a I'm few takeaways. <laughs> um, so common ground, finding common mm-hmm. ground with with the people that are interested right away, mm-hmm. um, where you can bring in whatever it is that they're passionate about and and share that. Mm-hmm. I really like the the takeaway of um, adding those new spicier cards to the deck uh the ira deck that's a great fantastic idea i'm definitely going to implore that the next time we do a community event and the third thing that i think that uh, i am taking away from this is everybody needs to have steve like positive energy to sell the game <laughs> there you go <laughs> you inject the i mean just just listening to you talk sh- like it's easy to tell how passionate you are about what it is that you do and uh, specifically here where we're talking about flesh and blood like i just you're giving me so many answers that i i just would have never seen coming and just hearing it in your voice is is so amazing um and, and i think that's why you know it sounds like you're you're doing so well as a store like as far as the flesh and blood bringing people in is is it that passion that you're exuding is going to be infectious upon the people that are coming into the store and obviously drives them to come back. Hmm. Oh, I appreciate that. So moving into like a more brass tax question, mm-hmm. does do armories and bigger events like really help the bottom line of the store? 
mm-hmm. um, or is it just everything from you know people buying boxes and uh, pre-orders, or is there something specifically that really helps propel the store to continue to you know support Flesh and Blood? It's kind of all of the above. Like if, so this is the thing: if you like the guy, the people who show up for your your big like your ProQuest, your Road to Nationals, things like that, those aren't going to be your regulars. So the game now becomes how do I how do I make this event worth people coming to? So if you charge uh, if you say we're going to charge thirty dollars a guy, what's the pricing? That's the yeah. first question every player will ask. What's the pricing? And if the pricing is nuts, they're going to show up. So let's say you got you have a, a bunch of armories. Maybe one or two of them doesn't fire off. You have some extra cold foils. You put that aside for that big tournament, right? We did one tournament once where every round there was a ra- playmat that got raffled off. I actually bought a bunch of these playmats. I was I was getting a little bit of a bad reputation just buying everyone's playmats that I could. I recently see someone's uh, ad for playmats. I'm like, frick, I want to buy every one of these playmats. <laughs> I want to. I was like thinking about that's prizing. But anyways, yeah, you can raffle it. You raffle it off every round. Whatever, people are just getting cool things. They're having fun. Um, the cold foils are cheap as hell. You can get cold foils for like 15 bucks now, right? Yeah. Uh, and But it's fun for people, right? Um, but um, but anyways, uh, you stream it. So streaming creates revenue for you. If you got if you got um, AdSense or whatever, you get monetizing your videos. Uh, you get local local players, uh, if you can, to com- commentate on your event. That brings a certain, a certain level of professionalism uh, to your tournament or exciting or whatever. Uh, and then, so anyways, so the, 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 those events, you're marketing to a different demographic than your local guys. Right. Right. But then if you do a good job with it, some of those people might show up to your store later on. And that, that's kind of how you're, you're selling your local community, right? Yeah. To the world. And what's really cool is when you see your local guys start beating people's butts in there. So like, yeah. like they never heard of this guy, and all of a yeah. sudden he's he beats Tarek Patel. Like what the heck? He beat that guy. Like who is this yeah. guy? You know. So like I think I think you have to you have to you have to look at the, it as like the events become uh, marketing advertising opportunities to sell your store on its positive traits to the community. The Armory events is you gearing up your your locals. Uh, you can even make like a training. Like, oh, get ready! There's a training coming in a couple of weeks. Like, how do you feel you're gonna do? Oh yeah, you know. And then, you know, I, you got a testing team. I wish I had one. <laughs> like, yeah. you got you, you kind of need to um, understand that like most of your day to day business is gonna be singles that you sell online and singles you sell in person and booster boxes, right? Um, you yeah. can also use events. You say, hey, we're buying at a higher percentage for anyone that wants to sell for cash inside the store. Or oh, wants to trade in, we can we're trading in more and we're doing a sale, right? Doing yep. a sale on singles, I mean, if you some stores they trade, uh, you get sixty percent uh, trade value for your singles. So it's it actually works in your favor because you get a forty percent profit margin. You could you could trade with that with the forty percent. Okay, now it's a seventy percent trade in today or eighty percent whatever, right? And it's only store credit. Then the money's locked in. You have whatever profit margins on your sealed product or singles or whatever. You use that to over leverage yourself for singles, and then you know throughout over time. It's a volume game, right? It's a volume game. You'll sell yep. singles to your locals or on Card Trader or whatever you use to sell cards. Got one final question on this topic. Sure. Um, so, being a tournament tournament organizer for large events, so like Nats or even was it a five k that you guys held? We tried to. Yeah. So, uh, something like five k or even just these these 
uh, tournaments that you're putting on that you're throwing extra prizing or chasing cases. Mm-hmm. Is that risky for your store? Is like, are you putting your, your arm out there hoping that this is going to draw people in or does it usually find its way to success? So the 5K was a special situation because there was a limited, an unlimited amount of people we could shove inside the Discord. I was yeah. making sure about that. However, apparently LSS's server had a problem with it because it crashed and it was really sad. Um, but you know what? That is like a, a love letter to the community when you're doing like a 5K like that. Uh, when we were, because we didn't have any overhead, we didn't have any rent other than my house rent, so it wasn't like the big, the, you know, uh, brick and mortar store. Uh, like overhead you have to pay it was just like we had a lot of money saved up we had a mm-hmm. good day going so uh and you know realistically if the event would have been happening we would that was actually be a profitable event you don't know if you're gonna get a bunch of people but dare to be great you know uh yep. for chase the case it's 400 dollars, right if you're charging 20 bucks a guy or 15 bucks or whatever and you only need to have, you know, 20 people show up for it not to be a complete loss, right? Yeah. Uh, and anything else after that's great. So if you know your locals is six to 12 guys, you're needing eight more human beings to show up. If it's a pro quest, they're probably going to show up in those numbers anyways. If you have built up a really strong local community, don't fight with other stores because that's very dumb. Work with other <laughs> yeah. stores. Communicate with them. Hey. Uh, I'm doing going to do my event on such and such date, or are you going to do your event on that date? No, we're going to do it on such and this and this and that date. Okay, good. Don't be like, oh, this store hosts on Wednesdays. Well, to heck with that store. I'm going to also host on Wednesdays. Why? Just host yeah. on host on Saturday. You don't need to. Why don't host on the same date? Because there's a finite amount of player. There's a finite amount of players from a pool to which you can pull, right? So don't compete with each other. Work together. High tides raise all boats. So you can you can you you, you scale it those kind of bigger events to what you what your your client analytics is showing you so how many people averagely are attending these events okay and if i make it larger how many can i expect and what's my threshold that i need to reach to so what some stores do is they say okay if at x amount of players the prize goes up to this at this month at this many players the prize goes up to this and they kind of like um goal posted right um me uh, i think that we've been blessed by flesh and blood it's not a risk it's okay. Mm-hmm. Let's put up that money. 5K wasn't wasn't scary. Uh, the Nationals was scary for a whole different reason, and that was we didn't want to mess it up. That was like yeah. quite concerning because, like, it, it's not a lack of confidence. It's that anything could happen. What if the what if like the uh, the LSS server just just crashes and you can't you know you know the, you're on the hook. People are there. Like, what's going on? You're gonna have to find an answer. You know, rely on your experience like okay we're going to use this website this is the site that's going to carry sos properly and we're just going to have to deal with it and that's the way it is um or what if like the the head judge and the second head judge both get uh, chronically ill with covid now you're down two judges you have to figure that out or what if like there's anything that happens what if like there's someone got into the room of when it was closed and robs the vendors like who mm-hmm. knows what could happen what if what if um there's a fight what if someone comes in with a fire extinguisher for a TikTok thing and sprays everybody? You know, like, <laughs> what an example! I, I, they can, anything can happen, right? So you're like, not wrong. Let's talk about Canadian Nationals, actually, Steve, because yeah, I mean, I was nervous um, about it as as well because you know canadian nationals for the last couple of years they've they've been all right but they haven't been events that 
you know, really are super memorable, um, you know, really knocks people's uh, socks off. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just curious, um, has Red Riot ever run anything of the size of Canadian Nationals for Flesh and Blood before? Because this is like a three-day event. There's a Friday side events, then Saturday, Sunday events so, as well. Like, this is pretty big. Red Riot Games, the company, has run an event that was comparable to it, but not as big as it. So the one was uh, the Grand Archive event, and we had much less resources, but we were in the exact same room with an identical layout. So I was pretty confident that when about the room and how it would function. Uh, the Grand Archive event was just like, I don't, I, I, w- I would say that we, we were not able to execute in the way that we wanted to. And I think that had we been able to, we could have been as successful as we were with Nationals. Um, conversations that I had with Frederick had me very confident going into it. Um, and I think that, I think that going in there, knowing that I, I had someone as strong as him to, in, in a way, help, help to yell the event, uh, and when, when, um, when, when, when necessary, maybe many times more comfortable with it, um, I think yeah. that hearing how conf- when, when even when we're reviewing the judges, we're like, kind of like, okay, so this is from this is the you know this and that you know okay this is some of the strengths of that right, you know like and if only we were allowed to get one more staff, I I, I was worried that, that we didn't have enough staff for sure, um, I was a little disheartened uh, one of the vendors couldn't make it, but the difficulties of it, it's not just a big weekly for sure, the judging side of it. After I, cause I understood how the confidence that Frederick had with his team, I, I was, I was, I was, I knew the ruling would be fine. I thought maybe there'll be a lot of judge calls, and maybe now the judges can get to it. And I had to tell myself a lot of times, like I do not call the round pairings. I need not to do that. And a couple times I was about to yell out, "Okay, rounds of pair," like nope, you don't do that. Oh, this is weird. <laughs> yeah, our <laughs> you know? our job is to make sure you have a stress free day. That's uh, that's the. The in and out of it but I, no that I, I mean and and fred is the best of the best so no definitely having him on board um was was really huge yeah you know um but when i talked with when i met fred we had a great uh, first conversation he also has a mega man avatar so you know of course i knew we we're gonna get along mega man's my favorite dude and and fred was very articulate well put together uh what he does in his professional life also led me to believe that he's 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 gonna go over everything with a fine tooth comb and I felt like having having enough people on my team that had enough experience in events made it a lot easier to go into this event confident. Take us through it from the beginning. When did you learn or how how did the process go like becoming informed that you would be the TO for Canadian Nationals? How how much time did you have to prepare? Like, what does that even look like on the front end? So I had emailed them and told them like, uh, and asked them for, to to run an event. And um, I was like, I I wasn't asking for a national, but I was like, how do we? What is the path we need to take to get to a tier three event? Because we've done all these events here, and and e- even if I can't have one, 
I want to know what the path pathway is to get there. Right. What do I have to show you? What do you want to see? What kind of work is there? And we had a meeting and it didn't end with like, you know, oh, we're going to give you an event. And then, oh, maybe we'll see in the future. And I was like, okay, cool. And then um, I guess we were recommended by two members of their staff, which was a shock to me, um, to be um, to be a potential host. And they sent me, they had a conversation with their or they had their OP for, because um, they have diff- two different OP teams. One's the deal, deal with the tier two, three and tier four, and uh, ones who deal with the other ones, right? Yeah. Um, and um, I had to impress upon them the capability to, to run the event. It was, uh, they told me uh, around February, March-ish. And I had that time to figure out how to make a website within our website for Flesh and Blood National. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and I couldn't say anything to anybody about anything. It was like, this is just bothersome, isn't it? Um, and uh, like, like I had, I, they had to sign, like, there was an NDA that was signed and I couldn't say anything. So that was a little, um, I'm a talkative person, so I had to like change subjects on that. People talk about nationals at that, like I didn't know anything. Um, and I had to have everything ready, scheduled, and sent to LSS with the event, with the venue planned out by the end of April. So I was like, shoot, this is a lot to get together. Okay, so so by February, you knew that you would do it and that it would be in September. Nope. And Not by the March. end of April, or sorry? March. By the, I, I, I didn't know I had it until March. Okay, so and in then, March, you learned that you would get it. By the mm-hmm. end of April, you had to have the venue mm-hmm. and the the event you knew would take place in September. So that's that's not that much time to become informed mm-hmm. in March and need to get the venue together by April and make all those commitments and well, all of that. Like, was that challenging up front? No, because uh, no. we're going to beat down events that we had in Edmonton, so I would start planning the event about six months in advance. Yeah. Um, it kind of, the only thing that sucked is I wish I would have known that I could have had a bigger room, but I would have to change the event date. But if I had known mm-hmm. that, I definitely would have. But their event, they have windows and specific uh, uh, formats for how the event will be. Like, what is this going to be? Da, da, da. And I was like, oh, geez. Right? So, um you know, uh, six months is, I think is, if I, I just need to, the sooner I know, the better, obviously. Like, tell me now if it's next year this time. If you tell right. me now and it's next year this time, the more time I have, the more prepared I can be. Uh, if you tell me the Nationals is going to be in three months, I'm like, that's cool. Um, you need to give me a lot of money because <laughs> I need to get people better yeah. than me at like to, to help me do this because that's going to require, like, I'm not going to be able to run the business because I'm going to be like lightning focused a laser focused, sorry, only on trying to make this not mess up. But six months, I had uh, quite a few months to uh, uh, send uh, invitations out to stores that I thought had the best inventory. Obviously, God's Arena with their five pallet videos. I'm like, those guys have way more inventory than anybody I know. Uh, and um, after that, it was whoever was applying. But I said, these guys should have been, were there at the first nationals. Uh, yeah. on, but only because I informed the TO that it's no benefit for me, but to, to say this, but you should really should need to bring these guys to the, the event. Because if I was smart, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm the only guy. Sorry, no one else in this entire country sells flesh and blood. Let me bring, let me bring my limited amount of singles there, as opposed to five pallets worth. 
so anyways, um, so having that much time, that's fine. Um, I think there's there's some things that I didn't get to do because it would just, and it's more cosmetic things, but and it bothered me not to be able to do them because I, I really, really, really wanted to because uh, I thought it would have really made the event just more special. Um, but it is what it is. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. And no event's going to be perfect. But I, I am curious because there were a lot of great things about the event. There was the great casters that you got. Um, including, you know, Ethan uh, Van Sant from the U.S. And for for things like that, or even things like the Super Armory on Friday and the PTI event, all the great side events that we had, like, how much of that was from LSS? And how much of that was from yourself, just wanting to make the event bigger and better than anything that had been done before? I think they offered four kits for the event um event kits and they offered a pti so the pti was just the gold foil and then i kind of had emails with them back and forth saying hey, you know i noticed every other professional tournament invitation has like some kind of cash prizing this one doesn't there's no additional price you just first place and you get this and then no one else gets anything You're like yeah well if you want to put money into it to to make it more exciting i was like what the deuce so i was like <laughs> of course you have to this doesn't make any sense so then um I just like you know in a nice way convinced my 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 business partner like hey we're gonna have to put money into this like a lot um because this event needs to make sense uh and i I almost completely forgot that i said usd 2000 and then when i looked at it that day the day of like shoot (laughs) like that's even more um and uh lss actually told me that we were charging too little and i was like ah whatever it's done now like it's now this is this is what it is now uh but um and then the, the super armory events, because I, I I thought that the one armory kit per event was definitely not enough. We had reached out to Prince, and they at the time said that they had a lot of kits, but then um, and they didn't. So <laughs> I asked LSS for more kits. They had a few more, but a lot of it came from me just buying play mats and buying uh, promos and cold foils to make the events like you're entering super armor event you get double promos uh and coal foils for top eight for the uh the pti like there was nothing there wasn't zero before and i the, the random play mats um i feel sorry for the three guys in a row who got a genus play mat i'm like i'm so sorry hey one day he'll be good uh and then someone got a kershom someone got a nebula blade someone got a scarf or skirt and i remember it was like ah no, why did I put that play mat there? <laughs> so uh, I was like, that's my fault. I, like, I knew what I put there, but I was like, all oh, right. Yeah. So since I have to get rid of my, uh, I was going to put this Centauri Saber one in there. And then luckily I'm like, no, wait a second. This is, this is a Kasai thing. So those don't go over there. Oh, but, um, but yeah, so to answer your question about the, the side events, um, we needed to have a three-day event planned. Uh, and I, I chose which events we were going to be and what the prizing was going to be like myself. Yeah, and it sounds like you invested a lot of your store's resources into the prize pool just to make the events that much extra special, which um, yeah, I, I know was really appreciated by, by everyone. Well, it's still frustrating because um, I didn't get I didn't get to do what I wanted to do, I did, but I did what I was able to do. Because so I wanted to have like um, like some Canadian Nationals dice made. I wanted to get a tote bag made. I was gonna get the, the art that we had for the uh, play mat. I wanted to put that on a tote bag 
uh, and I wanted to get because uh, they're kind of cheap, right? But so I can get get a lot of them, and I wanted to get um, the character made as a proxy and put into the top loader and give it out to all the people that qualify for the event. And then like I was I was I mean if you remember I was asking, hey, what kind of this what kind of a uh, abilities do you think this character should have, you know? And then I was like, hmm, maybe I should ask the artist if he can draw me, like, a, a weapon, right? Or maybe I'll look on the cards to see, like, who draw, does the weapons for LSS, and I'll just say, hey, you want to draw me a weapon? What do you think? Right? <laughs> and um, make it, like, just make it fun. You know, the character's not legal. It's nothing whatever, right? But I thought it would be really cool to have, like, I really wanted it to be the Canadian national that we should have got for year one is what I wanted this year to be. Because the first year, the magic that was there was not from the folks that was hosting it. It was from the players who had been playing each other for two years over Discord, finally mm-hmm. getting to meet. Yeah, that was the best um, part. And, and then, like, there was tearful re- uh, like uh, 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 moments where people were like, oh, I've been talking to you. Like, when you see, like, Choco uh, and, and, uh, and Draco finally get to meet and they embrace each other in a hug. How's it going, brother? You know, I was like, oh, that's cool. I saw two people. Um, who I accidentally went into a private conversation with once in the Discord because I was nosy then. Uh, one guy he was going through, like, um, his wife had uh, was dying of cancer, and this guy was being a good friend to him, and I saw those two meet. I only knew because they were talking in front of my booth. I'm like, oh, that's weird. These are the two guys. I don't want to say anything. Um, but, like, they had met through the Discord. And so, like, what people don't understand is that these these couple years we had, it meant a lot, right? Um, and for some people, like, they're, they're, our community was the flesh and blood Canadian Discord community. That's all we had. That was our our thing, right? That was like, oh, we got to do all the weeklies online and have fun, right? That was our fun, and we got to meet up in person, and that made that event special. But it didn't. It, but it was only special because the players made it special. So this time, I wanted to make it as special as I could for the players, and for them to 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 have as much fun with it. And uh, like I, uh, me and my partner, we were talking. I was like, hey, you know what? If our store ever shuts down. So long as we left this here, we've done good. Yeah. If, if, if I mean, we, if we become nothing after, sorry, if we become nothing after this, we don't exist anymore. We left this for them because we don't, we wouldn't have existed if we, if they weren't like, you know what I mean? We, we, we wouldn't have been existed as a company if these people weren't supporting us. So let's give them everything we have to have the best possible event. And we don't need a thank you. We just need to see, look in the room and see all these people happy and smiling, shaking hands, people from all different cultures, religions, uh, you know, cities, all across Canada under one roof playing a game that we all love. And that's my payment. Yeah. I mean, your your passion and, and love for the community is, is easily apparent uh, to, to everyone here. Um, and the community has been great for... For years and years, as you mentioned, even though, you know, the previous events may not have knocked people's socks off um, from the tournament perspective, but the community has always been there. And I I am curious, are there any lessons specifically that you took from those first couple years of Canadian Nationals that you thought, you know, this is something that now that I have the say on it, this is something that I can do or that the third Canadian Nationals can, can really step up on in particular so to be 100 percent transparent i was not at the second canadian nationals so i can't speak on that sure uh, i know carta magica is it does a lot of really big events and uh i trust that they um put the best foot forward to make that event 
the best event that they could. That's that's all I can say on that because I, I wasn't there. Uh, for the, the other Canadian, uh, for the first Canadian Nationals, uh, I, I, didn't, I saw the TL twice. I never saw him after that. He was inside another room. So first of all, doesn't know. TL has to be present. Second, um, I didn't feel like um, I didn't feel like anything special was being put forward to the players to make our first Canadian Nationals feel like a really big deal. And I wanted it to feel like a really big deal. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? um, like getting the caster to come down to stream it, that, 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 that was important because we needed to have um, the presence of like the most professionally ran stream ran by the person who is the most passionate to do it. Very easily could just find a local guy that's got like all the tech and you know, they do streams, you know, like we get the local fighting game guys to stream it. Like, yeah, but they don't care about the game. Like it's a job to them. This guy loves this. He loves it. So, and there was no stream in the first one. They just recorded the games and they said they weren't allowed to stream it because that was says that they can't, which we knew was a bloody lie. Um, so, you know, and I'm not trying to trash them. I, I'm indifferent to that whole thing, but I didn't feel, I felt like, I felt like it was just like a gig. They were going to get an event and that was it. Cool. Right. So I, I, I took it as like the most serious event we could ever hosted. So I, what I wanted to do was, was impress upon the players that like somebody really cared about this. Right. Uh, and not be like, you know, thanks for the quick money guys. Peace. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and I, and, and like, even if you notice, we weren't really, we weren't selling any singles at the event. We were selling just our play mats and like, like packs. Like we weren't there to sell singles. We're there to run a tournament. Um, we're, we're, we're there to make this like, you know, we want this to be a thing. Um, so the focus I took, I took away from the first one that the focus needs to be on the event and making it awesome and making sure like everything is running very smooth. And players are happy. Make sure the vendors are happy. Make sure like everyone's got water, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and chatting with people uh, outside, like, hey, how, how you doing? You know, like, how how's, how do you feel things are being ran? Is anything you think was should make better? Like, all those things. Like, I didn't see that in the first national, so I wanted to make sure that I did that this time. You know, now that you say that. I, I fully agree that the first Canadian Nats was actually flat. I didn't realize it at the time. Um, there were no like banners showing off the game. I th- what was their tablecloth gate? Because there was no tablecloths on their dirty ass tables. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I now that I'm thinking about it. It was pretty pretty poor presentation by the TO. I don't really mean to shit on them, but uh, it didn't matter because of the people that were there. And like you said, like I was meeting Nia for the first time and Mike C and. Like you said, all these people I've been playing skirmishes with and online armories, and that was that was the magic, like you had said. And as a player um, from that, we definitely feel that. And then, yeah, the TO was just kind of, yeah, it just kind of was a thing. So since you mentioned that you wanted it to be, you know, something special, what did it finally feel like come Thursday or Friday when everything started together? Like, what was it like? Wait, you ever jump off uh, a high, that you ever go to like a swimming pool, and they had that four-story jump. Yeah, it felt like the walk up there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like as you're going up there, I'll give you a good example. So actually, Edmonton they have the, a big water park inside One Seventh Mall, and there's this one side you can go to where like the floor just disappears and you cl- you go down. Yep. I was walking up that thing one time with my brother, and I, I I would never go on that thing. 
But he's walking up behind me, and he's just like, yeah, we're going to go up this thing, you know? And as I'm getting up there, I'm like, oh, this is really tough. You, man. And I'm mm-hmm. looking down, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> like, this is high. Yeah. And uh, that's what the tournament felt like. And then when it started, when we paired the first, we were about to pair the first round. No, the night before. So Thursday night. I'm lamenting waking up at 7 a.m. in the morning. I'm like, that's the moment I realized just before the slide, the thing disappears and you drop. I hope I didn't make a mistake. Like, 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 oh, here it goes. And nothing is going to stop it from happening now. But much like the slide, as as we're going down the the ride, it's okay. It's going to be okay. So long as so long as you keep your arms crossed, <laughs> you're not gonna fall off the sides, and everyone's gonna have a good time. So, were there any surprises that came up before beforehand that you guys had to deal with before, like the public got there or anything like that? A vendor had to back out. That was a surprise. Yeah. Um. Not so much before the event. Well, I guess my my business partner wanted to close the store for Friday. I didn't expect him to want to do that, and he mm-hmm. really wanted to be there. And I really didn't want him to. <laughs> I was like, open the no, store, man. you fool. Stay at the store. I was like, yeah, buddy. Like, and then he just closed it anyways. And I was like, you why? But like, you know what? For him, I get it. He wants yeah. to be a part of this because he's been here the whole journey. And like, this is the biggest deal thing we've done for the game we care the most about. So, of course, he wants to be there. So, that was That's a surprise. Awesome. But like, there was nothing ever like... It was during the event that surprises happened where around 6, the thing got deleted I don't know how that's even possible, but it happened. Like round, round six got deleted? Yes. At the end of round six draft, it was over. And I was like, oh, my God. And they, like, thankfully, uh, and I was, Felix was there. He said, okay, let's get to it. Let's get to it. He was right on top of it. And uh, Frederick is just like, Frederick looked a, super scared at first, and then he was right on top of it. And then uh, he's like, we know we're communicating back and forth. He's going to do it. Okay. I walked away. They're going to do it. They know what they're doing. Abba's working with them with Purple Fox. We're good. Yeah, behind the scenes, um, there was a glitch in Gem, um, which resulted in all of round six being deleted, uh, which is a nightmare scenario for any <laughs> event team running a uh, yeah running a tournament like this. Um, as far as the root cause of why that happened, we think because there were two computers running gem at the same time, maybe the, the wires got crossed. Um, in any case, uh, there was a little bit of triage, but eventually, you know, Fred kept a very cool composure. We had all the results in purple Fox still. There was just some manual number crunching that had to be done to repair everyone and, and to re-enter. It. Yeah all the all the results there was a lot of players that like so the one concern that i had with uh with fred is because he wanted me to like exit the page like hang on i can't exit the page he's like no no listen to me you have to exit like no but you don't understand i can't exit the page <laughs> i didn't like because he was he really wanted me to exit that page and i really needed to him to hear me so then i find like all the, i have a list of here of all the players that dropped all the round this round if we don't take note of the players who dropped they're going to get paired into the next round. He's like, oh, okay. They took the list down. Then I exit the page. I'm like, once I exit this page, it's over. He's like, exit the page. I'm like, okay. And then he's like, we're going to work on this right now. Uh, yeah. We need Alba. I was like, all right. 
I have to walk away right now because they're they're on top of this. And there is literally nothing I can do to help them. So it was very difficult to walk away from that because, you know, I want to be involved with it. But, it. but me being involved is just going to make it more harder because they just need to... I'm not going to not, like he's mentioned, number number countries. I'm not going to be able to fix the problem yeah. myself. Alba, Alba has the results from, from Purple Fox, and they have the result. we have the results for the match. We just need to pair everybody up manually together in all their pods, hopefully, uh, and it will do what it's going to do. So my best thing I can do there is to, to just go talk to the vendors and talk to the players. And just make sure everyone's happy and calm. I have a couple more follow-up questions for Canadian Nats. Mm -hmm. um, what were some lessons that you learned for next time, if you get the opportunity? So if I am ever to get an event for that size, we need a bigger team. Uh, we need uh, I need a co-TO um, because what a lot of people don't know is I have ADHD, right? So um, the reason why I had Alba doing scorekeeping with me is because I can get distracted, right? Yep. And having a co-TO, uh, this was some of what uh, Frederick was doing, helps me to like stay focused and on task, right? Uh, what some people feel is that a TO just walks around and does nothing, but it's like a whole bunch of pressure six months ago is what I went through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like it was a whole month of this, and now it's just like, you know, so we need a bigger team, and we need a bigger room, and hopefully a bigger budget from LSS so that we yeah. can accommodate that. Understanding math and space between vendors and players and events is more, it's really important because you hear, okay, this room is, let's say a room is $20,000. You're like, that's a scary number. But like, wait a second. It's actually not that scary because how big is the room? Can you fit five vendors in there? What do you charge the vendors? Okay. How many players have come to the event? How much do you charge the players so that you don't lose your house? Yeah. Right. Like, Knowing that and figuring that out is important. The event was, it, it shined a light on the need to have more judges. It definitely did. Yeah. And that like having someone's, maybe multiple someone's whose job is to be designated uh, scorekeepers is extremely important. And I need a bigger clock. A TV that will not suffice. It sounds comical, right. but it's absolutely not. Um, I had thought of investing in, and I am I'm very much considering getting. Um, when you only go to a boxing gym, they have a huge, 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 huge uh, round timer clock. Yeah, those cost like five hundred bucks to a thousand bucks. I thought about getting one of those and displaying that. That would be in a room, a position room where nearly everybody can see it, and has its own built-in alarm. Everything is perfect. Mm -hmm. Um. That might be something worthwhile looking at, right? Instead of just like some big digital like Microsoft clock, right? Uh, and then um, I think I think we were fine for where the players were playing and where coverage was, but like a bigger room would solve that even better. I think if I got to execute what I wanted, it would have would have been it would have been, been more fun, you know. I, the, the 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 3D statue things would have been cool. The the, the tote bags, everything, like like um, accessorizing the event, like making yeah. it really feel like people like traveled for this to, and got more. Having more side events because we were reduced because we, we didn't have enough space, but having more side events would have been good. But you need more judges for that. You need more judges and, and, and like your, your side deal needs to be 
helping with that or another scorekeeper. So you might like need two or three scorekeepers for, for much larger events uh, because if we had a much larger room, we could have done so much more with it. Well, let's hope that you get another shot at it to, you know, put all these ideas down into the world, you know, at the next Canadian end or something like that. And I guess going the other way, Stephen, like, <clears throat> I mean, I feel like I know the answer to this question, but would you host it again if you were given the chance? I wouldn't hesitate. However, I would very much impress upon uh, the idea of having the same guys come because I felt very confident in, in, in the guys I was working with and, uh, and, and, and gal or they's, they, them, Elba. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt very confident with that team. And I imagine over the next year, those folks are going to get even better at their job. I'm going to get even better at my job. And having that that that, that level of experience, and they know what a national feels like, is it good? You do want to shuffle in some new people, um, of course. But like, I'd really I'd really like to 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 have this uh, this group. I did tell LSS I could travel, just so you know. <laughs> I don't need to be here. I can go anywhere in this country. Um, I would love to do something in in, in, uh, in Edmonton. Yeah. Um, these venues are super cheap compared in comparison, and uh, I would love to. I'd love to. Like, I'm not a teal that's like stuck to one store. We don't. My our my objective is not to sell my singles at the event. My objective as a teal when it as when I'm in a teal mode is to organize an event and at, execute. At the same time, though, you you shouldn't have to do this at a loss and my follow-up question is if you're comfortable sharing because you have said you've invested a significant amount of your store's own resources into things like prizing and and you know making sure that the participation prizes for the super armory were good and giving away the scar for a scar playmat <laughs> like <laughs> did your store take a loss on making this event as great as it was, or did you end up okay? No, we definitely uh, took a loss. However, it wasn't because of LSS or the players or anything. It was more to do with me having to be forced to get a lot of the prizing for not just the the, the pro the P, PT. I it could have even been bigger. I, I if I had booked this venue with more space, I could have done it right. Uh, and uh, the, but but it was more like I um, the arrangement we had with uh, the distributor at the time before we changed distributors was that they would be giving us uh, prize support for the event and then they took that away. If we had it, I don't know how much it was going to be, but it would be something. Uh, we would have been able to use that for the event. But they decided um, not to. Um, so I had to acquire that, which was way more expensive. I won my scarf scarf. <laughs> it was, I think it was a raffle at the time. And like I entered 40, 40 freaking skirmishes at that time to yep. get this. I was trying to get head jabs, uh, but the anime head jabs with our foil. But like, unfortunately I got to world. I need these anime foil head jabs. If you got them, let me know. Um, but uh, I couldn't, um, it's not anyone's fault but mine i could have charged more money for the event for for the pti for the kind of pricing that was on the line i could it's, it's more on me and not lss or players or anything it's my fault 
if the story was to make more money, then I have to I have to do my math better. Right, and and with the template of of this year, should you get this event again, I'm I'm sure you know there'll there'll be ways to to make it just as great or even greater while being sustainable and something that would be, you know, in alignment with your your business plan for. You know, so it's sustainable. So it's not a loss year after year after year, right? I'm going to lose twice as much money and do Don't twice as much. That's, I'm just that's not what anyone wants. <laughs> you, know, you know what? That my thing is, it's like I I am so focused uh, to put on a show. Sometimes I get lost in my in my own ideas, right? Which yeah. a co-to would help with. But like, I just like I I like exciting. I would love to do like it invitational you know so you got like if we had say it's four years of nationals or eight years of national champions we invite the top eight those eight national champions to come out on friday to have a, a match against each other and they're all playing in an eight man single elimination uh bracket that'd be so cool get the eight champions right there's not eight there's three now but like you know yeah. um yeah. something like that'd be cool or you know or invitational exciting uh match you know you get like here's the best here's this year's uh, uh last year's national american champion versus last year's national canadian champion in a special match against each other the winner will get a freaking find Dell spring tunic uh play mat whatever something crazy right and yeah. like th- that's crazy you know like that's awesome um, i know i know flake was talking about it a long time ago with james white i think about having like um fireworks and music and coming down a walk like a wrestling intro uh, ceo there's there's a fighting game tournament that does that it's called ceo and they, okay. everyone has a wrestling intro coming in there. It's, it's done in a ring, you know. Um, you know, the really cool idea I had once or really wanted to do, I could not do it, uh, was to get um, a 3D printed um, crown for, uh, sorry. So what it is is you get Oldham sitting on the throne, right? And he's got a, he's all 3D printed. But he has a crown, is which is made out of the antlers, right, that we got on our, from, the, from the animal we have in our, on our um, quarter. And he's got like... Um, He's got like a beaver, like pelts, like making up like mm-hmm. his, uh, his cloak. You know, just make it super Canadian, right? It's a big statue we have there. I thought having cosplayers there would be cool. Having a cosplay contest would be cool. Uh, I obviously, like, I'm not about to buy a tailor because, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but like, you could make it like something cool. Like, they get, they get something. Or you just pay cosplayers to show up there and just as like everyone's favorite characters, right? Yeah. Like, like even, even that would be cool. You get like, you, you, you can look them up. Sometimes these people will want to do it for free because they just want to show up there and dress up and have fun, right? So, um, may, I just want it to be a show, you know, like I really want it to be a show. I think you can make a lot of the money that you need to make just, just having, booking enough vendors, looking, like having, I think, I think if LSS could team up with, uh, with, with Magic, like they do in Canada, like they do for the States, the event can yeah. be even larger and the vendors can, can have, uh, you can get, get, uh, maybe different vendors you couldn't otherwise get. But, um, even, even having one of them like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to play a big portion of the room and I want to like, uh, really advertise our, our presence here at the event. Okay, cool. Great. Then the venue is a thousand times cheaper. So you can, and you, so you get more money to bring on more staff. Um, not a problem that, that usually when I'm thinking about how to make an event like better, it's, it's to raise the stakes. Right. Yeah. Um, I think the side events, um, Maybe if we had made it a 5K and we had a twice the amount of space and we had twice the amount of crazy prizing, you get even more people to show up. There is a finite amount of people who will show up, but I, I always think there's a formula. There's a formula to, to that you can make that will make it make sense. 
you just have to figure out the healthy balance between like um, player expectations, your how how long the event will probably take, space, everything. You gotta bring it all together, uh, and and really be on top of your A game, and make sure you have a solid team. I think the only flaw in our team was there wasn't enough of them, and if we had enough of them, it'd be an even better, bigger, and more better event, more man better event. Um, you know, um, that's just kind of where I'm at. You know. Yep. Nice. Um, as we wind down here, I have one final question for you. If you would like to share your favorite moment as a game store owner or as a player or a moment in flesh and blood or a story you just want to tell our listeners. Sure. Um, it's kind of more funny. Uh, as I, one time I was walking up to a game and I asked Mike, hey, uh, are you done? He's like, yeah, this guy's dead right now. And he proceeds to kill the guy with Kato. And the guy's just like, wow, I I don't even know what to say. And then Mike's like, exactly. And then I was like, I was like, is that the tournament match? I was like, no, this is my third time beating this guy. And he like packs up his stuff slowly and like leaves. And I was like, what the He beat him three times in an hour. Like he just like I don't know, man. It was just funny because it's like it, you get that anime feeling, you know? It's like, yeah, this guy's actually dead. He doesn't realize it yet. Boom, yeah. and he just fires off all the stuff. I'm like, damn, okay. That's like... <laughs> with, with my limited interaction, that seems very Mike C-esque. You know, he actually... I remember he was... When he's at Canadian Nationals, uh, for the PTI, he's like, what deck should I use? What deck do you think I should use? Like, Kano. He was like, I was thinking of playing Azalea. Kano. And he's like, hmm, yeah, I think I should play Kano. Then. I'm like, all right. And then he rips up his deck list for uh, Azalea and throws it in the garbage. He's like, now I have to play Kano. I'm like, I think you should play Azalea. He's like, he's listening. When he gets like a little arrogant, I think it's hilarious because you can tell the person wants to beat him, but like he's just beating you. There's nothing you can do, but he's yeah. like, take that beating. So I, I find it comical. Uh, and um, I think, I think, yeah, that would be my, Seeing that at, at an event and like knowing the guy knowing that he said that and there's nothing he could do about it was hilarious. Yeah. Yippers. So, um, was there so, any other questions you guys want to ask? Yeah. Where where can we find you if people want to reach out or learn more about Red Ride Games? Uh, I, I prefer to be in the background, so you don't need to reach out to me. RedRideGames.ca, or you can join the Discord in there. But uh, I don't like to be like, you know, I'm not the big deal guy. I like to. I talk a lot, but uh, I, I prefer the uh, let the work speak for itself. No, oh, thank you so much. And for us, you can follow us on Twitter at IP2Podcast, on YouTube at IP2Podcast, on Mastodon, IP2Podcast at Wraith.Social. Thank you. I was, of course, I was nervous. Anything could happen. I was literally flesh and blood is sitting next to my table. I'm like, oh my god, I gotta be stay busy. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't, don't, uh, don't look suspicious. Don't look suspicious, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, LSS <laughs> is right there. <laughs> yeah.